Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this Monday's Wealth Creation Show. In the sun, Jim, we've got the sun here as well, but um, probably not as nice as yours. <laughs> That's all right. You can see it's a bit windy, if you see over there. Uh, flatten about a bit. You need the wind, the wind here just to keep yeah. the uh, to keep the temperature down because it's absolutely boiling. Um, so I've actually had to turn away from the sun because it would be intense on my face. So yeah. I will look a bit darker here, but it's uh, it's not anything to do with anything other than the the, the white balance in the camera. Yeah, I noticed you've got a notice you've got a, a subtitle there under your name today. Ah, property time lord. <laughs> ah, self self claimed self professed property time lord. It's like, well, that's what that's what it is, effectively. The only thing I really did this for was to get my time back and to yeah. use my time for whatever I wanted to use it to. Never need to worry about money ever again. And you noticed the other day I posted that one. I'm finally on the beach drinking pina coladas. <laughs> I laughed so much at that. <laughs> I just thought, when I saw it in the menu, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to order that. <laughs> no, it was a virgin, a virgin one, though. Um, yeah, no. absolutely. Um, it's... Uh, it's uh, it, it, we, we've always talked about this before. Eh? I could ju I, I could just sit on the beach for the rest of my life and drink pina coladas yeah. and never need to worry about money ever again. Um, and effectively, that's what I was trying to demonstrate. I just thought I I kind of thought it'd be funny to do it. Some people might not think it's funny, you see, because it's like, yeah. oh, that's terrible, all that wealth. It's like, hey, why not? If you've earned it and you've worked for it and you've sweated blood, sweat and tears for this, you deserve everything you get. You know, if you've got wealth yeah, because of definitely. it, then then good luck and good good on you. The thing is, though, Jim. I mean, although you can do that, you could do that every day, of the week, every day of the year, if you liked. But I mean, you take a couple of weeks out, but you still work through them, and you work, you work um, in your business all the time. So you don't I, really. I, I, although I you've been there quite, a couple of weeks now on the shows, I, but I mean, that's I thought it was quite a quite comical. It was on one of the landlord uh, landlord forums. This was a really good one for people, uh, yeah. and I, and I thought it's so childish. This guy. And, and and they said something, the guy said, that the initial person said, look, you know, I've been sent this letter, I hadn't lodged the deposit, I've returned the deposit in full back to the tenant because they moved out, but I forgot mm -hmm. to lodge the deposit. This, their solicitors now sent them a letter saying, you due us all the rent and three times the deposit back, because that was never a valid tenancy. And the guy says, what should I do? And I went, and it says, without prejudice at the top. And he says, what should I do? I went, ignore it. Ignore yeah. it because you're just you're just giving the boy oxygen because they're ambulance chasers. They're just trying their best to actually get get a, a response to you so they can get money out of you. That's all they're trying to get because any court on this earth would probably sit and go, "Well, did you suffer financially because of it?" No. Yeah, it's now, yeah. So so it's resolved. So what's your problem? Why are you in court? And, and they wouldn't actually let it go to court anyway. You'd probably find when you when you sent the papers in and it would be sent to the other party because that's what happens. Um, mm -hmm. Then the other party would have to respond and then the court would look at it and go, uh, but there's nothing really to answer for here. So why are we why are we actually wasting the court's time with this? Yeah. Um, so unless unless um, the first chair to bureau takes a different opinion and says, look, you're, you know, because you hadn't lodged it and you probably knew about it, then you have to pay three times the, three times the deposit or something like that. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't say the tenancy was invalid and you've got to pay all the rent back. No. Uh, but this is what they were trying to do. And then I had people coming on saying, how irresponsible. And I thought, you've not been doing this for long, have you? Because no. <laughs> it's like, I've been doing this for 30 years, if not more, as a financial controller as well and an accountant in industry. 
And it's like, get these letters all the time from people. And it's really just a, it's, it's a veiled threat. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. They're probably not going to take it to any of the next level, but they will take it to the next level if you respond to them. So you're better probably just to keep quiet in these instances. But somebody else went and said, you know, this is ridiculous. And oh, I don't know how he got to it. But eventually he tried to do, it's like, it top trumps. It's like, I've got more money than you. <laughs> and it's like, is, uh, is this really happening? And I just thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take this. I'm just going to laugh at this. Eh? So he, every time he responded to something, I responded to something better. <laughs> and then eventually he said, and I retired at 41. And I went, hey, I was 38. <laughs> and then I never, I never heard from him again. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, how childish could anybody be to to you you, you ask for your comments, then people come on and castigate you and say, yeah. and then you go, but this is the reason why, and uh, you still have people, and then it, and then it, it, it degrades into that. It's like you know, this is this is a lesson for everybody. You've got to. You've just got to watch out for the naysayers. You've got to watch out for the mm-hmm. negative people. They could be anybody. They could be anywhere. You might not even know them. This is the typical example. They eat up your time. Yeah. You've got to know not. when to leave it and just not not respond to it and just park it where it is and just move on. Um, it's the old thing I keep saying. It. I was always taught this wee analogy about in the desert. The caravan will, the dogs will bark, but the caravan will still roll on. And that's mm-hmm. in, that's in, when they're in the desert. In other words, the camels will still keep walking and they'll still keep moving forward, even though the dogs are barking round about them. And that's kind of like what you've got to watch in your in your journey for success, as you will yeah. have the dogs barking every now and again. Oh, yeah. But you've just got to keep going. You just keep going and just ignore them. Don't get wrapped up in their world. They want you to get wrapped in their world. Just leave them, park them. I know it's difficult because I've been yeah, there. Uh, and you can just see where that response, uh, what I've got there now. Um, and, and often as well, I say to people, God, are, are you are you actually, you know, for the time that you've taken to come on here and say all these things, which aren't helpful at all, you could have utilised that time for something more time, important, yeah. like spending with your family or anything like that. And, and, and I do say to some people, uh, you know, on, on channels, it's like, could you imagine you're lying on your deathbed and you think to yourself, I could have done with that hour back. <laughs> that and, I wasted, I wasted arguing with that person over something that was completely irrelevant yeah. and completely nonsensical um, and a waste of time. So that's the type of things you've got to watch out for. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jim. And I think that's true that what you say, that the dogs will always bark and, and they will through anybody's journey. And I think it's how you teach yourself to ignore that and just move on and don't let it affect what you're doing. And it can be quite difficult. Uh, people have sometimes have this need to to respond to people that are negative or like you see, even if it's like that lawyer's letter, like well, I need to respond to it, but why? And, and so you need to, it's a train, it's a mindset thing as well. Um, and you need to look at yourself and like, why do I need to respond to that? Or why do I need to give them my feedback or get involved in it? It's like, move on, see, use your time better. See a top tip, if it's your channel they're responding on and mm-hmm. and it's completely negative, uh, just ban and delete them. Yeah, It's like, I, I've got, I've got, when most of the time when people, very few times when they come onto our channels and they say things like that and they say things that are completely negative mm-hmm. and then you look at their profile and they've got about five friends, that's about yeah. it it's, and then you think to yourself this guy's just trying to use your channel to get some attention that's what mm-hmm. it's all about and it's like no, ban and delete just get rid of them they're, 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 no, they're, no, they're no worth it at all, eh? just remove them out of your life completely, 
Whereas a lot of people tolerate them. And it's like, I've got no tolerance for people like that. Um, no. And I make it quite clear to them. Yeah, definitely. So before we delve into today's topic, I just just to touch on the deposit scheme thing, which that situation was about, just in case anybody's unclear, the penalty of the three months uh, rent as a, as a uh, fine for not lodging your deposit is something that is done. But see this, um, we'll, we'll, we'll pursue you for the full amount of rent for the period and things. I mean, that's something that would only be an extenuating circumstances. Um, but it is, so it is so important to lodge your deposit. So do do it, guys, with a registered scheme. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just, just... But Good today, advice. Jim, we, yeah, we are going to cover save, spend, share, and invest, and looking at four different ways that you could use your money. And I think knowing how to manage your money today, and, and especially today in the crucial um, and evolving financial environment that we're in, uh, to become financially independent is one of the uh, one must recognise to uh, be very prudent with their savings and how they spend money, and also look at seriously look at investing their money if they have money. Yeah. Each of these things are really essential to ensuring financial security both now and in the future. I think that's so important. The future you've taught me that so much, Jim, and it makes me think so much about my financial future not just now uh, and it's so important um, I've not got kids but a lot of people obviously whether you've got kids you've got family you really need to think of them and how how things are going to be in years to come here's the one here's the one you've got to watch out for spend for today because you might die tomorrow you know that's a, that's a typical yeah. example about what people try now good marketeers will do that um, uh-huh. that's a classic example is when you go to a Craig Tara or Haven Holidays or Butlins or anything <laughs> like that they go have a double, you deserve it. <laughs> and that's the that's a typical example of good clever marketing. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, they're not bored about your ill health later on in life. They just want to make more money. So they, you know, spend now because you could be dead tomorrow. I could get run by a bus. I could get run over by a bus tomorrow. You usually find people that say that are skint. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I mean, obviously, we're not saying don't do anything and, and don't enjoy yourself today. Because you can, but you could still be very sensible about it and, and still look after what happens in your future as well. So like one thing I will the, say, you can, but the, the shittier life you have the now, the better life you'll have later on. Yeah. <laughs> and we spoke we spoke last week about boring pays well, and it really does. Um so yeah, so don't get too caught up in, in people that think they need to always be doing something and always need to be do you know what I mean? If you're if you're settled just now and things are fine and you've got investments, let them let them compound up. Let, yeah. And you'll see the benefits later on. But before we cover obviously our topics today, the important thing is, and we always say it, we are not financial advisors, always seek proper advice. Uh, many, many people may think they've got a good handle uh, on their current financial position, but the truth is, more often than not, they're uh, missed opportunities and details in their own situation. So a really seasoned financial institution or advisor or somebody that really knows what they're talking about can provide you with good insights into your actual needs and ensuring that every penny you have, you put to the best possible use of your growth. So speak to financial advisors, but you're going to cover a lot of good topics today. And firstly, we're going to look at smart saving habits today, Jim. Um, And I think uh, to start with, before you embark on any journey and, and any investment, you're, you're going to need some sort of money behind you unless you're doing joint ventures or whatever. So a solid financial foundation is built on the creation of saving and looking at obviously emergency reserves and 
a reserve that can pay maybe around about three to six months worth of spending if you were to lose yeah, your job or something like that. Yeah, uh, in order to protect you against unforeseen setbacks um, like sudden unemployment and medical issues and things, you don't know when that, what, if they're going to come around or where that's going to happen. Um, and budgeting, nonetheless, remains uh, remains sound advice uh, in addition to this as well. So you'd be, you'd be lucky if people had six minutes of financial money behind them. Never yeah, mind lot, six weeks uh, yeah. or six months. It's like it, you know, it's unbelievable. We're a society that almost spends everything we've got every single time. We're never mm -hmm. taught good financial budgeting skills at school. We're never taught about any, uh, developing any saving habits at school. School is not designed to do that. It's just designed to create, uh, give you the most basic education. And then based on uh, the cards that you've been dealt, in other words, for the family and people around about you, that's really the cards that you've been dealt. That will determine how you get on. Um, yeah. uh, in your in your life as you grow up and how you're shaped and molded, uh, so you want to get people round about you um, and get the right people round about you because you're 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 effectively the sum of the five people round about you right now, mm -hmm. and and some yeah. people will relate to that and they'll maybe be stony broke right now and they'll look at the five people round about them <laughs> that are closest to them and they'll all be stony broke as well. Um, yeah. And some people will be pretty well off and they'll look at the five people around about them that they're connected to, that they are influencing more uh, as much and uh, and they'll be the same wealthy as well. You know, so that's the sort of thing. And, and some people will be, you know, probably broke at a different level. In other words, mm -hmm. they've got all the trappings, they've got all the trimmings, they've got their fa fantastic cars, they've got big houses, they've got glamorous holidays that they go on, but they're just broke at a different level. And the five yeah, people about them... And they'll all be broke at a different level as well. The, the same ones, all their friends will be broke at a different level as well. And when they look at their net worth, in other words, their assets minus liabilities, they've probably got nothing. And then that's when everything's based on their ability to perform. That's why it's important to develop smart saving habits. Yeah, You definitely. need to do this to put a buffer in between where you are now and where you want to be just in case emergencies just in case something harms it's also easy as well to dip into that every now and again so put it so it's out of sight out of mind automate that process yeah so in other words just automatically every single month money goes at your bank account you don't even think about it going out and it goes into another account which you never look at until about six months or a year um, and you just look at it six months and yearly because you know it's going to be the same amount every single time. If it's, obviously, if it's going to go up and it's based on investment strategies and it's it's linked into an index or something like that, then you will probably want to look at it and track it. Um, yeah. But if it's just if it's just normal saving habits you're developing, maybe in an ISA or a high interest current account or anything like that, and I'm promoting these because they're good short term access for emergency mm -hmm. funds. If you've got something locked up, it's not exactly an emergency fund then because if you're an emergency, you can't access it. Yeah. Or there's huge penalties. So that's the sort of things you've got to do with an emergency fund. So but believe it or not, three to six months is actually classified as financial freedom. Really? Uh, if you've got I have got three to six months of your spending uh, put aside. So in other words, you could stop work for three to six months and you will still survive quite easily. That's mm -hmm. financial freedom. If you can do that for two years, you're classified as being rich. Just got to say, if you could build on that, if, if, if people have got that, and if you could build on that, then you're on the road to a good, obviously, situation. 
In my personal opinion, though, you've got to make sure it's not just a case you've got a savings fund. You have a regular income coming in, which isn't dependent on your ability to perform. So in my opinion, you know, the the three to six months of money should be three to six months of money that don't rely on your input. Uh, The two years, you know, for Rich, is it doesn't rely rely on your input again, but it's not something that's going down in your funds it's mm-hmm. actually something that's staying where it is. In other words, you're living off an income. For example, I'm going to I'm going to say it, property. You know, you yeah. always get an income coming in, or you've always got something steady coming in. You leave it where it is because it's a savings fund at the end of the day. You know, that, or that's how I treat it anyway. Um, and then then you've got it when you really need it, or when you want to pull out the bag and just go yeah. on that. You know, this one-off holiday you've always wanted to go on, or or do this one-off mountain climb you've always wanted to do, or give to this one-off charity this one-off payment you've always wanted to do i mean the one i'm doing here right now in spain is for the cars for the cars mm-hmm. re- uh, release and neuter scheme um, and we're not paying ongoing costs that's the key here we're paying the one-offs to catch neuter and spay them and put them back into the community um, so that and then they'll look after them on a day-to-day basis like yeah. drop off food for them make sure they're all right um because because really to be honest in this area nobody cares about cars no uh, i know, know but- yeah, and, and 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 they don't care as much as we do in Britain. It's just a Britain's quite a, a, a different situation where we have, you know, a, a cats as are pets and dogs and everything like that. They just don't do that around here. They're not yeah. as they're not as they're not as fanatical about it as we are. Yeah, I was going to say compassionate. Compassionate is probably not the right word, but yeah, fanatical is probably yeah. They probably just know as compassionate either. You know, I'll let the horses stand out in the middle of the field and tie them to the, the thing with no shelter for, yeah. for a whole day in the in the blistering heat. And I'm thinking, that's not what Jacob Ridge told me. You know, Jacob yeah. Ridge is an animal sanctuary out in Spain as well, who I know, mm-hmm. that's uh, Julian uh, and Rachel. So Julian and Rachel run it, and they have to. They told me it's like they've always got to have to make sure that the horses can get under shelter when they want to. Yeah. So, so they can decide whether they want to be sheltered because they're too hot. But no, they don't do that here. But then that's why they've got quite a lot of horses because they take them off. Especially there. when uh, temperatures out there have been pushing for and everything this year. So. Yeah, I know it's crazy, absolutely yeah. crazy. So it does come back to things like you know what you're going to use these savings for. Definitely at this point in time, it's going to be an emergency fund. If you're suddenly yeah. unemployed, uh, medical issues is a classic example as well. Look how I used yeah, it. Definitely. You know, it was when my knee was having problems. Rather than actually have to wait on the NHS, which took t- t- about two years. Um, I then just went to, was referred to uh, uh, Professor Mackay over in Glasgow um, from Stuart Barton and mm-hmm. uh, and I was in the clinic and I had my knee done within a couple of weeks. Job done, out, rehabilitated um, over the next six months and that was me back to running again. Yeah. Yeah. So that, this- that's, that's what the money's for, Richard. This is what I need to tell people. The yeah. emergency fund is there for the things for uh, you need. This is what people go, oh, money's the root of all evil. No, money's not the root of all evil. It's, it's the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money, that I mean, and, but the money isn't itself. The money is a tool to do good for either yourself, your extended family, or your community, or someone else that you don't even know if you yeah. want to give to. That's the key here. I spoke to um, an agent, actually, uh, Trisha, and she's down, and Trisha might actually be watching, uh, she's down in uh, Cornwall, I think it is. Yeah, she does. She books all the comedians for the yeah. um, for the events, or is it Somerset? Cornwall or Somerset, or somewhere around the area. 
anyway um she was saying to me and i said to her about you know do you want to develop this a bit more and she just sat next to us at the festival do you want to develop this more and all the rest of it she went well i'm not really that i'm no motivated by the money i went but can you develop it more to make more money and she went yeah i probably could i went well why do you not just develop it more make more money and give it to the people that need it give back yeah oh i never thought about that <laughs> and then one thing led to another and then you know, she was talking about an age, a comedian she was going to book, but she'd never got a chance to see him. But I had just met him. That was Mark Nelson. And Mark and I had a discussion. And then Mark actually just walked right past at that time. And I went, oh, <laughs> let's introduce you to Mark. Mark. So I shouted Mark over and they introduced to each other. And uh, and the, probably a deal's been done there where he's going to get booked. And oh, yeah. then I went on and did a post about something else. She went, oh, God, that resonates with what you said exactly. She says, I now know what you are meaning um, out of that. And, and that's what it is. So if you could make it, you've probably got a responsibility to make as much money as you can then if that's the case. And if you don't want it, give it to the people that need it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like your example you said about uh, Tony. Uh, your daughter Tony does with Jacob Ridge because she wanted to go back there and volunteer. And they're like, to be fair, we've, we've got numerous volunteers we could get any time. Yeah. Um, if, and, and you've got a skill. If you could make money. We would rather you do you donated money for us to help and and that's what she does yeah so yeah and, and, and we're going to talk about uh, sharing uh, um as well as we go on but yeah just just to finish up on savings so i split it down into three things here and, and saving for emergencies which includes um the uh, cost of medical or, or anything like that i mean that's so important i did say obviously and here it's, it says pay yourself first now i don't mean pay yourself so you could go out and live some lavish life it's it's basically save or invest your money first before you get to um the end of the month or the end of whatever you've got coming in um and and then set aside what you've got left over you know what i mean yeah. save or invest money first then use what's left that's, obviously that's a different mindset between the person that's wealthy and the person's not so wealthy uh, yeah. as soon as they get their money they both get the same amount of money and i'll guarantee mm -hmm. you one of them goes what can i spend on yeah what have i got left to save and the other one who's usually the wealthiest will go what do i need to invest in what have i got left to spend yes that's that's the that's the only difference that it makes a fundamental difference and if you can get that right and you can discipline yourself to do that you will automatically be successful and wealthy as a result as a, as a discipline thing um and and if you could discipline yourself to do it then you're on you're on a good path and then also creating a good spending plan uh, which is also known as, as budgeting and things um, and list your monthly income and expenses and things and actually look at that and break it down and we've done previous shows on that and you'll find them in the you'll find it in the uh, playlist uh, and that brings us on nicely to having mindful spending habits as well um, and making the distinction between requirements and what in a consumerist society that we are um, it's hard yet more crucial to do than than ever uh, it's, it's, it's so hard just now because you've got in your hand on your phone you've got so many things uh, ads and things prompting you so you really need to take yourself away from that and, and and discipline yourself not to get rolled into to things like that because all they want you to do is spend your money um, so think twice about spending your money on maybe like the newest fashion accessories and technology and, uh, and, and you know all these things that are pushed in front of us and prioritize your spending to the more important yeah. things that will in the long run um it will become easier in the long run once you start to do that
And I think also um, a well-planned budget might suffer from these impulsive purchases and things. If you continually do comp uh, compulsive purchases, then there's all very well creating a budget. But then if you're just going to spend it on impulse purchases, purchases then it really doesn't uh, it really doesn't hold any value um, if you're you're not going to stick to that budget and be really disciplined to do that. Uh, you have to. Uh, here's a here's a great phrase. If you don't discipline yourself, someone else will discipline you. Yeah. Whether that's a bank manager, whether that's a boss, whether that's your mum and dad, whether that's your partner, whether that's your kids even, mm -hmm. depending on what age you are, if you don't discipline yourself, someone else will do it for you. So you're better to have the choice of doing it for your, for, for you. Uh, and and actually being mindful about that in the in the whole process, you know I, that that's that's what I've always I've always been taught, and that's what I was taught by my mentors as well. And I, and I've kind of stuck with that, and it's hey, it's worked so far. <laughs> so if it, if it works for me, if it works for me, it might work for other people as well. Yeah, definitely. Spend less and save more. I and and obviously saving often starts with I mean more than likely spending less money. I am whether it's um, obviously on silly things like uh, hair, I mean a lot of people play for hair salons and and, uh, and new gadgets and uh, like the, the premium coffee brands and things were co covered before um, that obviously myself is quite guilty of doing uh, and just things, just a lot of things clothing, clothing brands and things people get so wrapped up into this and they cost an absolute fortune now yeah. um, and it's not necessary it really isn't it um, and if you're, if you're I, really serious here's, about Here's a good one for you. I can't find another £1,000 a year to save. Okay, mm -hmm. do you have coffee every day at Costa or Starbucks? What yeah. is that? Oh, it's about £5. So that's five days a week. Yeah, it's, what about the weekend? Oh, I sometimes pop in there the weekend. So you're talking about what? Maybe about 40 quid a week on coffee? Hmm. <laughs> 40 quid a week times. How many weeks are 50? So 40, 400, five times that. There's two grand. Can you know save half of that? Yeah. Look at that. There's two grand there straight away on coffee. Costas and Starbucks are rubbing their hands because that's what the, yeah. that's the type of cost they charge. But the reality is the money's there if you want it. You just have to again come back to saying discipline yourself to look at what you're spending your money on. I mean, mm. we didn't talk about it much and the expenses and that in the previous bit, where we we just we skimmed over that just a wee bit. But you know, you have to make sure you realise what you're spending your money on. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to know where you are to know where you want to go. Put it that way. That's a really yeah. good way. You have to know where you are right now and you have to be brutally honest with yourself to know what you need to do to get to where you need to go. And there's a classic example about how to save money straight away. If you spend money every day on uh, expensive brands like Costa and Starbucks uh, and just, just throw away stuff or oh, have a smoothie every day at the shop, just have it at home. Take it to work with you. Get a get a you know, instant coffee. It's like oh, but it's no the same. All right, okay. Well, that's fine. You could you could waste two grand every single year for the next ten years. That's twenty thousand pounds. Sorry, what? Twenty grand. Twenty grand over the next ten years on coffee. You're having a laugh. Yeah. When you put crazy. it in that context, that's crazy, eh? I'll drink yeah, it. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely save and, and create good spending habits. It's it's probably about taking all your income and your expenses, getting one clear picture, and then helping decide where you could really save and trim that down. 
Um, and obviously there's some debts that people have that, that you're not going to be, that are unavoidable, like your mortgage for for interest, uh, for, in, for, in, uh, for instance. And yeah. high interest uh, debts like credit cards and personal loans and everything, they are not, and they could quickly spiral and really have you in a situation. So look at them uh, first and try and get rid of them. Start and then, attacking and, the credit cards because they've got the yeah. highest. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Even though you can, oh, I can move it to an interest-free. All right, fine, move it to an interest-free, but still pay it down. Yeah. And, and and get it down as quick as possible because that interest free might disappear at some point in time in the future and now you're stuck with it and you can't get rid of it. So these are the type of things you need to get rid of and start to trim. But I'll go back to the coffee example again. You know, take the mm -hmm. baby steps. You don't need to say, I'm going to cut it out completely. That, I tell you what, that would be some discipline to do that. Um, but, you know, once a week, I'll, 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 get, um, I'll get Starbucks once a week yeah. on a Monday. So Ian and I will go for a walk. So we get a coffee somebody else. We get uh, something at Starbucks, and that's only once a week. So I'm okay with that because uh, it's once a week. But if I was doing it every day, it's like, oh, do I really need to do that every day? It's a huge expense. Yeah. And folks go, but you've got loads of money. I'm no kidding. I could give that. Uh, well, that's the point. I could give that to somebody that needs it, possibly. Yeah. You know, there's somebody that now it said something about their vet bills and all the rest of it, and uh, how they've, they're, you know, it's put them in a difficult situation. And it's like, so I'm going to see them when I go back, and I'll have a wee chat with them about it. But you know, I might help them out. Yeah, yeah, as about baby steps, like you say, Jim, and I think, I mean, you said obviously you used an example there of a thousand pounds. How could I get an extra thousand pounds? But I mean, people might think, God, there's, there really isn't any, and maybe there isn't any in their budget. But even if you look at maybe, let's look at a hundred pounds. Just or just something that I could find something somewhere. Eh? Yeah, you could always find something. You know, it just takes it just takes you. You don't want to admit it to yourself at the fact that it's that extra thing you always get. It's maybe something that you, you the one offs and you think you keep thinking, oh, I deserve it. I have to have it, and it makes me feel good. If it makes you feel good, you've got to really think about what's happening there. Well, it starts, you if, if you're I, if you're making if you're buying stuff to make you feel good. You've got to think about the underlying cause about why you need to buy it to make you feel good. That's the problem you need to solve, not the fact that you're spending. You solve that problem and everything yeah, else will fall into place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And then that's when you start entering the realms of um, spending money on all these things and then living out with your means. And uh, it's, it's really crucial not to live out with your means. And if, if you are unable to save money, um, for, and, and, and don't have money for major purchases um, and long-term investment, then you may well very, well very well be living out with your means. Do you know the amount of people who will probably listen to this or watch this and say, I'm not living without my means? And it's like, you know, and, and you'll, they probably are. <laughs> yeah. They probably just don't realise it. Probably just, And it's because, the, as, again, coming back, it's the people round about you. It's mm -hmm. The people around about you are exactly the same as you. Therefore, you don't notice actually uh, that is with, out within your out with your means. Uh, it's only when it gets to a crisis point that anything happens. And again, coming back to ability to perform or you're needing money because there's a there's a one-off cost that you're having to cover. Um, mm -hmm. It's an emergency situation. You don't have that. That's kind of you've been living beyond your means if you can't do things like that. Definitely. So you've got to you've got to make sure. That you're exactly right. You, you, you need to put money aside for these one-off major purchases. You need to put one offside for long-term investment. Uh, you need to you need to live within your means, not yeah. out above above your means. And 
week five keep up with the Joneses. I know somebody that actually remortgages their house on a regular basis that actually keep up with the Joneses. You know, the, the, you know, a classic example that you know they have to have the best because the, the friend that they go about with has the best as well. But the friend that they go about with actually earns a bloody fortune. Yeah. And he's and he's he's he invests wisely and he saves wisely and he knows that. Because he spoke to me one time and I gave him a bit of advice and he says, Do you know that advice you gave me right now is worth more than any of the advice my financial advisor's ever given me and he charges me three and a half thousand pounds a year. <laughs> he that. says he's never even given me anything close to what you just gave me in the in the last half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it just shows that's, you I mean, that, that's obviously from experience, not obviously from a, a a financial advisor point of view but then that's obviously what you enter in the realms of from the experience of what you've went your journey Jim. well the difficult and the problem about financial advisors they can only they can only advise you within the means of the law um, yes but the great thing is if you're a friend of someone so if this is your friend so if i'm friends with someone i could easily advise them and there's no there's no within the means of the law because because they're my friend and that's what that's what takes into account within the legal system itself if you're because it's this classic example of if everybody who gave any advice which deemed to be financial um was the standard at the bar would all be would all be in jail <laughs> would all be in court because everybody at some point in time is probably given some sort of typical financial advice while they're having a pint at the bar with their pal um, and that's why the financial services act um actually took that into account and thought well you can't exactly go to your mate when you were talking, when you were both drunk, and say you gave me poor financial advice, I'm going to prosecute you. Um, no, you can't. No. So everybody's got an opinion. Everybody gives you financial advice, but there is there is there is times where where it is okay to do that in certain circumstances. And this because I've known this person for years and years and years. There was nothing wrong with doing that. Cause it's just it's just two friends talking to each other about what they were doing and yeah. what their strategies were. And then that's when he came up with that and said, "God, what you've told me in the last half an hour is." It's been worth more than what I've paid my financial advisor at three and a half grand a year. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we always do stress, speak to somebody who's a, a, an actual financial advisor. They do have a grasp on the, the law surrounding that. But yeah. I think I think in the circumstances you're talking about, Jim, obviously from your experiences and things, then it's more than likely the advice you're giving is going to be quite good. But obviously... Um, you still we don't know. We don't know a person's full circumstances. That's the yeah. end. And, yeah, and when I go into a lot of forums as well, people say I've got a house. It's, it's got. A, you know, it's, I'm buying it. I bought it for X. Selling it for Y. Um, yeah. Will I pay capital gains? And and is there anything I could do? And I'm like, well, speak to a good accountant for one thing. That's yeah. what I would say. Um, but there is a couple of things that I'll tell you. And it's if you've got a, if you've got a, a, a spouse. Um, you can use their capital gains allowance as well under love, favour and affection and transfer yeah. the, the right amount. If, if, if you're both, uh, make sure you both use your basic rate tax as well, um, thresholds, um, when you when you sell it as well. To take advantage of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you stayed in for a period of time, then you've got uh, advantages as well, which if you speak to an accountant, he'll be able to tell you if you've got exemptions for the period of time you stayed in it um, for the capital gain as well. Um, apart from that, I really can't tell you anything else except speak to a really good account, financial advisor, um, and a lawyer as well. They'll be key in this instrumental about transferring it from you to the other, to your spouse, uh, under the love, favour and affection rules, which is capital gains free um, for the proportion of the property. And you could just choose what proportion you want to transfer. So you can just say, well, 10% will work to make them 
you know, come to the right amount or or just transfer um, that amount so he's only got that £6,000 gain because um, he's a high-rate taxpayer but he used his personal allowance or her personal allowance. Um, so that's classic examples about how you could give people a, a bit of advice but really just saying top it off that, you know, to be honest, you've got to ask your accountant about what I've just said because I don't know the rest of your circumstances and it might not work for you and it might not be applicable to you or, or it might work for you. But you're better to get the best advice from the right person so they've got a whole picture of what they're doing. So that's when it comes down to make sure you tell the person you're dealing with and don't hold back um, what your full circumstances are so they can manage it, especially when you're speaking to a financial advisor. Yeah, definitely, definitely always do that. Um, so if somebody's in the position where they've got their spending habits under control, they've they've got their self back on a good position, they're saving money, they've got money in the bank, then really you need to be looking at investing and then what investment strategies you could adopt. Yeah. Um, and it really is best to start investing as soon as possible, as soon as you can, uh, in order to get the best run at uh, setting yourself up financially for the future. Uh, compound interest wonders allow even little sums of growth uh, significantly over time um, when invested early enough. And that's the important yeah. thing. And it's never a good idea to put all your eggs in one basket, uh, as the expression goes. So, yeah, so look at what options you have to invest in. Obviously, we always refer to what we, we, we deal in, but there is other avenues and things. And um, yeah, it's important, like I say, not to put all your eggs in one basket and, and look at maybe investment diversification. Because it is essential because it enables people to from very different market trends and things as well. Uh, but it's also crucial to keep in mind that investing isn't something you do once and then just forget about it. It's, it's something that you continue, like, like and we'll use it as and how that compounds up and how you build that up for one property to your second property and then how it goes on to there and how it how it escalates over the years. And that's how um, that's how if you're building a property portfolio, it will compound up over the years. And the time you're 10, 20 years down the line, you're going to be in a good financial position. I would say so. I mean, it's the easiest form of doing anything, and it's the eighth wonder of the world, is compound interest. Yeah. And, and, and I still don't think a lot of people realise the, the 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 leverage position they put themselves in by compounding wealth for a, a long period of time. And yeah. Warren Buffett talks about every single time. I mean, up to 60-year-old, he's made more money after 60, you know, than he made in his first 60 years. And it's just a compounding. So, yeah. I, and, and that's all he ever done. He says it's no, it's nothing. It's not rocket science. He says I've just, I've just, I've just built my wealth by compounding over time and investing in businesses and compounding over that as well. And and just, just growing all these businesses and having loads of, like the loads of irons in the fire. Yeah. But make sure you've got people in the right position who could actually, who could actually run that business rather than you actually having an input into it. Yeah. That's that's probably the most important thing. So I've talked about this before, that's how billionaires end up getting their wealth, is because they, they buy into businesses or they build businesses which are not reliant on them and they let them grow as a result. Whereas millionaires are just they, they do a one track thing like what I'm doing, which is property investment. Yeah. Um and 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 kinda that's about it. They'll never get to they'll never get to anything bigger than that because that's what they're doing. Like, 
be honest, for most people, millionaire would be glorious, <laughs> wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like, flipping heck, being a millionaire, it's like you've got a million net worth. Now, that's not a millionaire, is it? Oh, I'm a property millionaire. Okay, so how much property you got? Oh, I've got six million. So how much debt have you got? Oh, I've got six million. <laughs> okay, you're not a millionaire then. <laughs> yeah. no. You've got zero. Your net worth, you're at stand start. However, if you service the debt on the property, in other words, the debt, it's, it's, it's the six millions paying uh, over the next 20 years and it doubles in value, then you've made six million yeah. uh, instantly and you've serviced the debt. That's all you're doing. So, you know, that's how, that's how most people do that. That's how most people create wealth. They, they, and that's how most businesses create wealth as well. They just they, they borrow against for the bank for capital improvements and capital investment and then they get tax deductions tax incentives for doing it as well um, so again speak to a good accountant if you know mm-hmm. if you about that if you're running a business and you're buying capital equipment because uh, you will get allowances and and, and you sometimes get 100 percent allowances in the first year for that um, and and that compounds over over wealth and, and the capital the investment you're making actually makes a really good return on investment because you're buying a machine that produces X amount of widgets every year and makes mm-hmm. X amount of profit with that machine. So therefore, that return on that machine was probably worth it. Now, I always talked about when I was in industry, um, the benchmark was two-year payback. So in other words, they want to make sure before they spent money on any capital, they were going to get a two-year payback at least, at the very least, they're going to get a two-year payback um, on uh, on uh, on on any investment they spent money on, and what the two-year payback was was if it was two hundred thousand, they were they were going to make two hundred thousand over the next two years out of that out of buying that that bit of equipment. Um, so that's the kind of benchmark they had, and then if it went beyond that, then they would take a decision based on is it a long-term capital decision or is it a short-term two-year project. We're just looking for because then that bit of equipment will go on for years and years and years, and then that's when you'll start making your money after the two years because the payback is the two years is paid off the equipment effectively. You've got your money back, and then after that, you're you're making quids in exactly how property works. Everybody thinks property makes money from day one. Oh, I'm making money for day one. It's like, no, you're not. You've spent an absolute fortune, you've got money in there already, and it's called a deposit. You put a deposit in. So what is your return on your deposit? That's what you have to work out. And that's why we talk about the, the net return is the most important thing, or the gross yes. or the or the net gross return, yes. which is another one. Not the gross return. The gross the gross yield is only important if you're buying for cash. You're buying for property. cash yeah. If you're uh, not yeah, you buying for cash, it's the net. it's the net gross yield you're looking at. So in other words, it's the it's the rent minus the interest. That's the that's the net the net gross amount, yeah. and then divide that by the money you've got in. That'll yeah. give you your exactly. true. Yeah. That'll give you your true uh, your true yield on investment. Uh, yeah. But ideally, you really want your yield to be the net one at the bottom with all your overheads taken off as well, and then that's your benchmark. Yeah, and then you use that example of this guy that, like you say, had his portfolio and it was. He had six million pounds worth of portfolio, but then he was in debt of six million. So then, really, he should have been. That's when it falls into maybe doing an evaluation or regular evaluations of your portfolio and make sure that um, they are performing as well as they can, and that the uh, they reflect the, the, the financial changing objectives of the, the economy and the environment and the property market and things. Uh, in that instance, you'd be surprised at how many people don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, yeah. again, I, I made a comment the other day about, you know, I'm subsidising two thirds of my tenants 
um, mm-hmm. they're actually making more money than me in terms of what they're taking home. Now, obviously, my wealth yeah. a lot greater, but they're mm-hmm. making more money. So I'm effectively subsidising them for the, for that for that because of the rent freezes. So then the person says, well, why do you know just put the rents up? I'm like, oh, okay, obviously you don't know. <laughs> obviously you that. have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Honestly, that, but that's, that's what I mean. That's how, that's how disconnected some people are about what's going on in the world. Um, yeah. And they could be caught. They could be caught because of that, because they think it's just a case that, well, oh, you can put your rent up anything. So that's the type of person that runs in and buys another property and actually doesn't look at the numbers and just assumes that they can put the rent up anytime they want, yeah. to any figure they want. And then they get caught out. And I and I've responded back to that. They've not responded back to me yet. I says, ah, right, okay, but you can only put up three percent in Scotland, or twelve percent, um, or twelve percent. But that's but but six percent up. up between three and six percent, but you have to get to get six percent, you have to have twelve percent in costs increased yeah, over the you last need to six months. Financial yeah. Up to 12%, yeah. Yeah. Over over so you can you can get up to six percent, but you have to have twelve percent increase in costs over the next over the last six months to get that six percent. So when everybody thinks it's just a six percent increase, you've got a six percent increase in your costs, it's no you'll only get three percent then if that's if that's the case. Yeah. So, so it's the naivety of some people actually not understanding the rebound, what's going on right now uh, in terms of property investment, but also in terms of any investment. You know, because the government yeah. changes all the time. When they started taxing, uh, they started taxing dividends on pension. Uh, uh, you know, on, on pension, the pension stuff like that. They started taxing the dividends on them years and years ago. Everybody was up in arms because it's like what? Because because pensions, I believe, used to get the dividend paid straight in, and there weren't there was no tax on them, and it's the government. Uh, there's a wee thing that we could actually start taxing, taxing the, we could start taxing the dividends to the pension funds um, because they were getting away with scot free. Yeah, I've no idea where that name scot free comes from. <laughs> there must have been there must have been a scot somewhere that got everything for free, and that's why they <laughs> scot free. <laughs> but yeah, I'll have to look it up unless somebody's got an answer to that where scot free comes from. Yeah, that'd be good to know. If anybody knows the answer to that. But I mean, I think, like you say, Jim, it's not just in the property market. If you've got investments in, in or you're doing shares or any, any avenue, it's, it's really critical to keep up with market trends. And uh, that's obviously over a different variety of uh, investment possibilities. And mm-hmm. really, the global economic uh, data and the, the the economic environment around you, people are just so yeah. unaware of it. And uh, that is really important to have a successful investment within that simple. Well, there's, there's examples tonight of everybody thinks there's people out there still convinced that the property market is going to crash. Mm-hmm. No, there's no indicators at this point in time. Uh, now I've actually heard, uh, I was here the other day, they were actually saying that the government uh, thinks we're on track to have inflation by the end of the year. So, okay, so we're only going to go down by a couple of percentage points before the end of the year, then, if that's the case, because that's where they were wanting to go in the first place. Yeah. So that means, that possibly means, like, base rates might not actually be increased next month or this month. Yeah. So that's maybe a good signal that base rates might not be increased, therefore mortgages will stabilise, therefore housing market's still stable. Job done. Sorry, I was I was trying to look at Scott Free and see if I could get the answer for you, just out of curiosity. Sorry, <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure somebody will tell us out what Scott Free yeah. is. Yeah, okay, so, that, that so it's it's regular evaluations, as you said, Richard. It's you know the portfolio, the change in financial objectives, what you really want to do. Uh, actually, 
you hope you're going to plan it for your if you've got a big portfolio event you know yeah. is it going to be subject to inheritance tax that's another thing i'm reading up the now um and, and, and are you going to mitigate that because there's rules and regulations in place uh, where you just can't give it away on your deathbed um it actually gets pulled back in for chargeable chargeable rates so all your tax burden is completely wiped out when you die but your estate is, is, is comes under inheritance tax so that's yeah. another one um, and there used to be clever planning mechanisms where people just got married there and then. That was, a, that was one, actually. But people did get married. They'd been partners for life. <laughs> and they'd never been married. And literally, one of them was like, I'm terminally ill. I'm going to be dying tomorrow. And they were getting married that day. Yeah. Because because everything transfers to your spouse tax-free. No inheritance tax on it at all. It all transfers completely to your spouse. And yeah. that's why some people were getting married literally on their deathbed. Um, and it still happens today. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's one of the ways to do it. However, all you're doing is, is kicking the can down the road to the next person and thinking how are they going to get, you know, how are they going to avoid yes. it as well? How are they going to, well, let's only avoid it, just say how are they going to plan for it uh, efficiently, tax efficiently. Yeah. Um, so that's the, that's, the, that's the difficulty as well. So you've got to make sure you just keep one eye down the road about where it's going to go and what your what your plans are for the future uh, and and what you want to try and achieve so as as, as well as short term medium term you need to plan long term as well now who would have who would have known when we bought all our properties in the very beginning in our own names it was very tax advantageous to buy it on your own names who would have, who would have known that the government would bring in section 24 you'd yeah. never have known that now i was quite fortunate that as soon as Section 24 was brought in, I started to transfer chunks of our portfolio in our name and take advantage of our capital gains allowances and sometimes transfer six at a time and yeah. combine it with purchases from off from off market and on market and get six at a time as well to avoid ADS. Uh, but you still got capital gains. So I was still paying pretty heavy capital gains bills, but I was minimising as much as possible. Um, in that period. But I've still got quite a few properties in our names and they're still subject to Section 24. But who would, have, who would have known that? And if I'd known that at the very beginning, I would never have limit. I would always had limited companies. Yeah. So that's the sort of things you've got to be careful of, and you've got to just plan for the future and watch out. Now, I kind of plan for the unexpected as well. I think. Yeah, we, we kind of yeah. knew this was coming, didn't we? We knew the capital gains allowances were going to get taken away, and we knew they were mm-hmm. going to get taken away because we did a show back in 2018, 2019. Uh, where the budget of office responsibility said that there's about 18 billion to be made in reforming the capital gains tax system yeah, so um, it was obvious it to, was the, to the government. So it was obvious that the government were going to do this at some point in time and raid the coffers of the personal allowances of people getting capital gains. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, a, a lot of people might not be so in the know. Um, so it is good to kind of try and make a, make a point of keeping yourself up to date with what's going on. Because it, it could save you a lot uh, further down the line. Um, so yeah, so saving, uh, spending habits, and obviously investing. And then you spoke earlier in the, the show, Jim, about this lady down south um, who is now obviously doing what she's doing to give the extra money back. And that brings me on to sharing. Um, and yeah. sharing or donating money uh, as a way to obviously use money that helps other people or helps someone else. Uh, and mm-hmm. you could choose to share your money with maybe organisations or help fundraise and raise money for specific causes and things. Jim, you do a lot of that um, as well. And like you've just uh, explained earlier, you've made people realise the benefit of doing that as well. If, if they've got enough yeah. money and they can do something, 
because they don't need the extra money. Use the extra money to benefit somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's also important um, having that discussion maybe with your children and things as well about um, how you make decisions about what organisations and things to support uh, and it can help them understand the process of ultimately giving back and what the benefits of that are. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it takes time, I suppose it takes time to, to develop a habit of sharing money. It's not yeah. a thing that comes naturally for us because as human beings we're taught to be, I think, to be a bit selfish to be honest in, yeah. in terms of look after, you know, some people and the people around about you say, oh, look after number one, look after number one. Um, but how, here's a classic example. Every single person in Britain is probably in the top wealthiest 1%. Did you know that? Yeah, I've heard that before. Every, every single person in Britain has a salary and has a job as the top wealthiest 1% in the world. And people will be surprised to hear that. Right. Yeah, and, and that just puts into perspective. It's like, you know, you, we sit here and think to ourselves, oh, we're, we're hard done by, we've no got woe much and all the rest of it. Yeah, I woe is me. And yet, uh, compared to the rest of the world, um, the, most of the people in the United Kingdom are actually earning, just have any salary, even minimum wage, are actually the top 1% in the world. Well, uh, of course, because there's people in the world who don't even have the basics of sanitation, food, shelter, things that we all just expect, and that's, that's part of what we have. And, and that's where it comes back to say that it's like, you know, um, and, and you know, the other thing I see now and again is people say, oh, we'll help people in our own country. Does it really make a difference? Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, I'm not really sure where that, how, how that mindset applies. It's like, we'll just help you because you're in our country or you're in our doorstep or you're in our local community. But if somebody else had the same problem in a different country, we wouldn't give a talk about it. Yeah. There's another point, is, you know, was on the book that I Oh, I'm never going to support that again because it saved these people, these immigrants, from, from drowning in their boats. Really? And, I'm, oh, and I'm That's like, so ridiculous. so what are you proposing? Just let them die. And he went, yes. I went, you're an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I actually said it and left it as a remark. And I thought, I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah, it's just like, well. this is mental. It's like, That's okay, we'll just, let them, we'll just let them die there. That's, That's fine. That's just crazy. Eh? But that's how some people are. It is, unfortunately, and some people do have that kind of mindset. And, but do you um, know why they're like that? It's because their life is shit. And they just want to be, they just need to take it out on somebody else. That's really what it comes down to. My life is so shitty. I've got to go and kick somebody else. Or I've got to let somebody else suffer more than me. You wear. That, that type of person. Yeah, that, that, I often that think, I often think we should just exchange them for these people. <laughs> just send them, just send them over to where they came from and let the people who came from there in our country. <laughs> and it's like, I tell you what, we'll just swap places with you with that person then. I know, it's, it is crazy. I mean, we're all human beings. And I think if somebody um, is in a position financially where they are very comfortable and can still earn more money, then you really need to think about sharing that with other people and thinking of the benefit it would have to other people and not just people close to you. Do you know what I mean? Organisations throughout the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There, there, is, there is ways and means to I mean, do that. Well, let's be honest. Shared money, shared money and helping other people. Is, uh, uh, and, I, and I will say it as a bit of a selfish motive. 
because it's the it's the buzz and the feeling. Because you get that gratification from yeah, it. Yeah, of course you do. It just warms your heart and strengthens yeah. your decision-making skills and things. Um, and it just makes you feel a whole lot better about yourself. You just feel really good at the fact that you're doing it. So I, I, it's, it's fantastic, but you could you could look at it that way as well. And, but I would never want anybody to think that that's why they're doing it. Um, if that's why you're doing it, then again, you've got to look at yourself and think, what, deep down, what is, what, is your, what is it the thing that you're needing to sort out in your life that makes you want to do that in order to feel like that? You know, again, that you've got to be you've got to be pretty self-critical about yourself. You've got to be pretty self-diagnostic uh, self, uh, about yourself as well. I think that's an important thing to do. Yeah, I think that's really important. Uh, um, you do, you do, you need to do that. But so, I mean, just to kind of recap on what we've covered today, and I think despite maybe appearing, the areas like saving and spending and, and sharing and investing, they really call for innovation. Your, your own self control, you need to have an ongoing education, and occasionally you really need to seek professional advice, and we've stressed yeah. that a lot. Um, but the secret is proactive engagement regardless of where you are in your financial journey. Um, you put yourself on the road to a more secure and wealthy future by carefully um, adhering to principles. Uh, these financial principles today. And I think that's really, um, really been a point of today because I think that what we're covering today are the financial principles to follow. You just really need to have that own self-control and, and determination to actually follow them and discipline yourself to do it. Absolutely. As I said when I when I did that with the Pina Clara post, I said at the end of the day, anybody can do this. Anybody can do this. Anybody can follow the same pattern. Anybody can follow the same uh, um, the same path. It's probably more improved now. We've probably tarmarked it and super highwayed it. Um, but anybody can follow that path. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there were no potholes in it and everything new. Can it, like I had to deal with and, and going off track and, you know, going on the dirt roads and rocky roads and stuff like that in terms of my path that I had to follow. Um, it's, it's like a super highway blueprint is in place now uh, in order to do this. And most people are actually trying to copy that and follow that process. And some of these fake gurus out there are trying to sell it, obviously, as a course. Yeah. And then they're trying to proceed to say that they've built all their money in, in property and their, in their wealth and property. And it's like, no, you've no. You've built your money in selling courses. <laughs> you've not built your money and you've not built your wealth in actually property. You've built in selling courses and then invested in property. That's a different aspect. I've worked for mine and then invested in property. I didn't sell courses on property to do it. Um, I think that's the most important thing to understand about that. And and that's the, so that that means that anybody can do that then because their model is based on the fact that you teach other people and that's how you make money to invest it. Whereas my model is like, you work a normal job, you work hard on it, you invest, you spend, you 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 save, uh, you you then have money to spend as well anytime you want. Um, but but you choose exactly what what level of wealth you want out of it based on based on your goals and aspirations for the future. That's all it comes down to. That's all I could say about that. Yeah. No, that, that a lot of good points there, Jim, and I think it is really that that is really how it is. Um, and if anybody that has watched today wants to obviously speak about any any of the, the topics that we've covered any further then you could reach out to me also if somebody is seeking professional advice and maybe they need pointed in the right direction of a financial advisor or anything please come to me direct and i will happily obviously point you in the, the right direction of um several good uh, professional uh, financial advisors that we work with yeah. uh, 
just a, just a quick proviso. You got you got a lot of investors approaching you, starting out saying go and, go and source a property, buy a property for me. Yeah. And actually tell me where to put my money. And I got yeah. a lot of people actually saying just take take my money, Jim, and invest it. And it's like no, yeah. I don't want to do that. It's like we'll we'll certainly I'll I'll send you to Richard. Richard will find you the right properties. You can buy them all in your own name. So all your wealth is your own. All your income is your own as well. It's no, I'm not taking anything out at all. Yeah. And you're making all the money for yourself. That's the most important thing. We get you started on that, and that's a really good tact to do, rather than, actually, rather than actually taking somebody's money and then charging them fees every single year or just managing a fund. Yeah, yeah. When people come to me, at the first point of call is obviously we have a chat about the situation, and it's then I point them right. Okay, you need mortgage advice. I'll speak to the right person. You need this, you know, and then we get them set up, and and then we get to that point where right, let, let's look at. Um, your journey and how and how you want what you where you want your money to go and where it should go best in terms of what type of property. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I sent you some properties today and I thought, wow, these are pretty good yeah, price I've points for these properties. It. It's like, wow, yeah, these are pretty good price points, and it's like you'd be probably referring people to them, saying you should look at that one because um, that's a good buy. Yeah, definitely. So. That's us then. Yeah. yeah, that's us, Jim. Uh, that was good. Thanks for all your insights. It's good to obviously cover points like that for somebody that's been through the, been through the journey and and, and still on it uh, like yourself. So um, I hope that yeah. has been really informative to everybody watching. We'll be back again next Monday, obviously at uh, twelve uh, thirty as usual. And until then, I will see you all later, and I'll catch you later, okay. Jim. Okay. Bye for now. Bye.